Today's episode of the Nick Taylor Horror Show is brought to you by Diabolic DVD. For almost 20 years, Diabolic DVD has been the source for horror, cult, and weird cinema to customers around the world. Diabolic offers a one-stop shopping experience for all of your favorite labels, including Arrow, Synapse, Vinegar Syndrome, Severin, Mondo Macabro, Blue Underground, 88, and many more from all corners of the globe. So whether you're looking for the definitive version of Suspiria or trying to upgrade your crusty old DVD of Cannibal Holocaust, Diabolic is the owner-operated small business choice you've been craving. Shop online at DiabolicDVD.com. That's D-I-A-B-O-L-I-K-DVD.com. We're also brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. It's the number one choice of horror fans worldwide. Nothing starts your day or night better than a delicious cup of Deadly Grounds. Whether you're hunting ghosts or fighting the next zombie apocalypse, any one of Deadly's 30-plus roasts will bring you to caffeine nirvana with the richest flavor you've ever had. Whether you're craving their hellhound roast, witch's brew, devil's night roast, or sinful delight, Order online at getdeadly.com for easy and safe shipping right to your door. We know that once you go deadly, you won't go back. Join the deadly revolution today. Be bold, be different, be deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. Get some at getdeadly.com. Welcome to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. Here today we have the president of Blumhouse Television, Jeremy Gold. Jeremy manages the Blumhouse portfolio of scripted and unscripted TV series, documentaries, and streaming movies. Since coming to Blumhouse in 2016, Jeremy has expanded the Blumhouse brand beyond horror to explore not only genre material, but also dark and provocative subject matter as well as documentaries. Jeremy's worked on such projects as Sharp Objects, multiple films under Blumhouse's Welcome to the Blumhouse series, and previously worked on such major TV hits as Hell on Wheels and Kingdom. Jeremy's upcoming projects include Showtime's limited series The Good Lord Bird, based on the novel by James McBride and starring Ethan Hawke, and an FX docu-series called A Wilderness of Error from Mark Smerling based on the book by Errol Morris. Blumhouse is a business is very fascinating and since it's important for horror directors to be exposed to the business side of filmmaking I'm going to open the interview format up to include not just horror directors and creators but executives who work in horror as well. This interview with Jeremy is a great starting point for that and should provide a pretty good executive perspective on Blumhouse, specifically their TV department. I've said multiple times that as an aspiring filmmaker, Blumhouse TV is definitely a company to keep directly on your radar because they are giving a lot of new and emerging directors a chance to direct features and TV episodes through Blumhouse Television. Anyway, without further ado, here is president of Blumhouse TV, Jeremy Gold. Jeremy, welcome. How are you? Uh, thank you, Nick. I'm doing well. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. Doing, doing, doing COVID well, I guess is what we say, right? Whatever our reality <laughs> is, as well as we all are these days. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing COVID well as well. Right I feel like COVID's a, an interesting time for uh, for creatives. I mean, I feel like I'm t- a number of writers, directors I'm talking to are just loving this unprecedented amount of time that they have to develop projects and write. But you know, from the from the an executive position, what has this time been like for you as a 
TV executive? Well, I'd say, first of all, obviously with a, with a considerable amount of, you know, concern and, you know, obviously uh, sadness for those lives that have been lost. And this has obviously been tragic um, for so many. And it's, you know, uh, always must sort of start there um, when talking about, you know, uh, our ability to continue making fun film and TV while all that's happening. You know, that is, uh, is obviously first and foremost. And um, I, I, you know, I'll answer by saying, Nick, just winding back to, to mid-March when this all happened, our first focus at Blumhouse was, was definitely on the safety of, of, our, of our own staff and also all the artists we work with because we were in production in various places around the country. At that time, not around the globe, but around the country, certainly we're in several states shooting things. So job one was, you know, okay, get, get everybody home safely. Um, and, um, and listen to... It, it, the crazy irony, right, when I talk to friends not in the business about this, um, is that because artists are all trapped in their homes, they have a lot of time. Yeah. Um, to, and, 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 you know, they're used to working a lot and they like people often. And so, honestly, what has been a bright spot of this is that we, when there's a writer we want to talk to or, a, you know, a movie star or a big director chances are they're home and they want to get on a zoom. So it's been a very rich environment to, to, to catch up with friends from previous experiences, but also to meet a lot of new, a lot of new relationships. And uh, it's been very fertile ground for developing Nick on your, your, you know, to your point, because people have time. Um, So it's actually been uh, a rather, uh, you know, the, the sun is shining and we're making hay in terms of development for sure. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. So as the president of Blumhouse Television, could you just tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day entails? I mean, obviously COVID has changed things a little bit, but what is your, what does your day-to-day typically consist of? Of course. Um, well, listen, we have a number of things that we're back in production on. Um, started back first uh, with the, uh, with some non-scripted material because that was easier, whereas things like, you know, interviews with one, you know, one subject and two in crew. And then, and then ramped up and got back in some of our scripted series and, and film uh, programming as well. Um, and so number one, there's definitely, a lot, you know, I, I oversee a pretty large team of executives across yeah. all the different divisions you'd imagine be in a TV studio, you know, production and development and finance and business affairs and, and uh, all the rest of it. Um, so uh, every, look, every day is a little different. Uh, Nick, you know, some days are really uh, uh, are, are very focused on internal meetings and driving the, all the trains forward at the same time. We do an awful mm-hmm. lot of um, an awful lot of production focused conversation that touches every department of the studio, making sure, you know, obviously that we're being by, you know, observing all the um, all the uh, guidelines, safety guidelines and protocols right. at this time. Um, and also an awful lot of development meetings, an awful lot of you know, pitches, internal pitches and external pitches when we're going out and selling things. Um, The business of Blumhouse Television uh, is comprised of sort of multiple pillars of growth. There's scripted continuing series, scripted limited series. We make an awful lot of streaming movies, as as you well know, between Into the Dark on Hulu and Welcome to the Blumhouse, which we have just premiered the first two films Mm -hmm. uh, on Tuesday on Amazon. Um, and na- and also now some one-off streaming movies as well. Um, and historically also had a number of 
premium doc series uh, and some documentary films as well. Uh, but the focus really is on the scripted series and script and, and the streaming movies slate. Cool. Well, Blumhouse TV is clearly exploding right now. Could you talk about how the uh, the DNA of the Blumhouse brand has adapted from day one? I remember being at South by Southwest and seeing Jason Blum speak years ago, like six or seven years ago, about just the overall DNA of the company, where it was high concept, low budget, giving directors complete and total freedom, which is what enables just that lean production infrastructure with with creative freedom was allowing for a lot of great voices to come out. How much of that has remained the same, and how has that evolved into the uh, the production infrastructure of the TV division? I joined the company four years ago to to build a TV studio. Um, the goal was really to uh, embrace the incredibly successful audience facing brand of Blumhouse and expand upon it. Mm-hmm. Um, to do to do things that are certainly in genre like our very successful feature brothers and sisters do all day, but also to open that aperture up a little bit. So we coined a phrase that really works for us, which is we like to say it's not just about the monsters under the bed, but the things that keep us all awake at night, which is mm-hmm. how we got to stories like Sharp Objects, if you saw that, and mm-hmm. uh, and The Loudest Voice in the Room, yep. uh, 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 which is you know the story of Roger Ailes and Fox News. As I like to say, it's not horror, but it is horrifying. Um, uh, and you know uh, The Good Lord Bird, which we launched very recently on Showtime just this past Sunday, which is uh, historical fiction, but covering the story of abolitionist John Brown and, uh, and, and the raid on Harper's Ferry, et cetera. Um, and so that slightly broader filter, which by the way, Nick, was something that was already happening at Blumhouse before we launched the studio in that in Blumhouse's early TV work um, as, an in, as, as a producer for hire business, they were doing things like normal heart and the jinx, which both represented an opening of the, of the aperture. And even on the film side, you know, I look at things like whiplash, um, which was definitely a a different kind of horror movie and, and get out. Um, In terms of the business model, we certainly have the ability and have done some things that are in a lower cost model. That is not unlike the very successful feature company, but we, but we are much more broad in terms of the kinds of deals we make. So mm-hmm. we like to listen to our partners at various you know networks and streamers and understand what they're looking to do and 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 be very nimble and uh, adaptable in our deal making. So some things are you know into the dark. Those on Hulu were lower budgeted movies, but the limited series I mentioned were all full freight you know high end premium movie star centered limited series. So it's definitely. Uh, a much more broad um, uh, approach to the deal making and to the structure. It's not one size fits all. Yeah, as it tends to be in the in the Blumhouse uh, Productions feature model. Great. So, with all of the projects that you're doing, is there any kind of north star that you guys kind of mm. make decisions based on? If you're determining whether or not to greenlight a project. Is there any sort of kind of you know questions that have to be answered in a certain way to? to determine whether or not you you'll, you guys will do it? I would say a few things. One, we have that creative filter of not just about the monsters under our bed, but the things that keep us all awake at night. So to, to kind of extrapolate from that, Nick, we like to talk about material that is conversation starting, that mm. really gets a conversation going with the audience. And uh, that is, uh, you know, maybe a little uncomfortable. 
right. you know, material that maybe makes you uncomfortable to look at. I, you know, sharp objects and the loudest voice are both excellent examples of that. Um, uh, uh, and even in our, you know, in also true in some of our documentary series, you know, um, we recently launched a wilderness of error on FX, which is, um, unpacking the Jeffrey McDonald murder case made mm -hmm. famous in the movie fatal vision a number of years ago. And that's certainly uncomfortable subject matter that, you know, maybe, you know, it's about taking the audience to a place and making them look at something that they might not know they wanted to look at. Um, but <laughs> if, if you open those dark doors, there are some, some things to, to learn and take away and grow from. So it's really about material that is, is about something, you know, and the, feature company you know jason has always said it you know it's it we tend to smuggle in social commentary right in, in movies and that's definitely um uh, uh at the cornerstone of what we do in the television studio as well for sure yeah um you you recently you know uh uh reported on current occupant which certainly is a is it was a horror movie <laughs> that unpacked plenty of social commentary um about the state of our country in a very subtle way i think yeah yeah. Or, yeah. Not so, or not so subtle at moments. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it, horror has always been a great vehicle for metaphor when it comes to social commentary. Historically has been. So, I mean, just kind of going back to the roots of Blumhouse, um, obviously Get Out was yeah. a huge example of utilizing horror as a vehicle for social commentary. And I think in terms of all genres, horror is the strongest for doing that because you can explore really ugly truths in really confrontational ways, in ways you can't in any other genre. So, I mean, yeah. with all of that in mind and considering that Blumhouse is, uh, the, the inception of Blumhouse is essentially based on horror, what is your what are your thoughts on the current state of horror today? I mean, it's a time when there's elevated horror, quote unquote, that A24 is putting out as well as a lot of social commentary. But um, I mean, what are your thoughts on the genre in terms of its, its relevance? Um, I think that there's something wonderful that's happened with the horror audiences, which is I don't know that there's ever been such a well-educated and open-minded horror audience. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I think there's several movies you could point to that, that had a hand in helping us get to that. And I like to think a lot of those were Blumhouse movies that I can take zero credit for because they all, you know, were produced before I got there. <laughs> um, but they were, the, you know, many of the movies that drew me to the company. But I, I think that the audience, the genre audience has been cultivated over the years to, to accept their horror in, in new and unconventional ways. And there's not just one way to tell a, a, a horror story. Um, uh, and, um, I think that's enormously exciting. Also, I think it's at this moment in time that we're having, you know, I think it's ref oddly refreshing for audiences to immerse themselves in a different kind of horror because we're all, let's face it, living to varying degrees, some kind of horror of our own. Right. And so on, on multiple levels. So to immerse yourself into some whole other world, you know, it's, it's, it's gratifying at this time. It's like, okay, I've had enough of my effing problems let's see these people's <laughs> problems for a night um i think that's I, I i think that it's there's never really been a better time to unleash uh to unleash some genre movies uh out into the world yeah we need escapism for sure nowadays absolutely absolutely <laughs> so one thing i thought was interesting is in the case of into the both into the dark and uh, welcome to the Blumhouse. In a lot of cases, you were working with some relatively newcomer directors. In some cases, it was people's first features. 
which I mean, I keep going back to the inception of Blumhouse where it was mm-hmm. working with directors that were established that you knew you could trust. Right. But it seems like you were taking more gambles on younger, less experienced directors. So I'm wondering, is this any sort of a means to kind of test the metal of who your future generation of uh, directors who you're going to place bigger bets on? Is this a way to, to, to find your directors of tomorrow? Well, one of the hallmarks of Blumhouse um, that um, it's just, I think, in the DNA of the company. It was there when I got there, Nick, and it's something I fell in love with about the company immediately. And it's always been the way I've worked throughout my career, dating way, way back to my roots as a, you know, early 20 something in New York city, producing theater for no money in Tribeca. Um, one of the, uh, one of the things that we really focus on is our repeat business with the artists that we love. And I think there's no higher compliment. I mean that than our filmmakers, you know, writers, actors, directors, even creative producers who want to come back and work again with mm-hmm. you. There's no higher comp. That means they had a good experience. That means you did right by them and they had a they had a good experience, whether that was creative, also creative and financially, whatever it was that they want to play again. And so um, I think absolutely as we've launched, had the, op- the opportunity to launch, um, you know, to help, or I should say, to, to really... Um, cultivate and nurture some younger filmmakers and help them continue to launch their careers. The idea is always that we will continue to grow with them. And in fact, we've made some, you know, we've built some longer uh, relationships with some of those artists that we identified through Into the Dark, for example, Um, Gigi Salguerrero and Sofia Takal, both incredibly talented young women filmmakers who we have built a larger relationship with, who now both work across the company, across film and television. I'm just using those two incredible ladies as an example. Um, but yes, absolutely there. And, and by the way, with some of those young directors, we also will give them a shot at their first big episode of a TV show, which is a totally mm-hmm. different kind of challenge to a young director right. making their, their first film to go jump into the giant moving train of a 10 part, you know, series on a network. And there's a set time by which they got to finish. And that's, you know, there's a way the show has to look because somebody else set the tone in the, in the pilot, that's a totally different kind of animal than going off and making your, you know, indie film. Yeah. So um, absolutely that has been part of the plan and we continue to do that and grow and grow these artists. And in Welcome to Blumhouse, I think we've identified um, some amazing emerging talent and also worked with some already considerable seasoned uh, established filmmakers like Venus Sood as well, who's just amazing. Um, but Welcome to the Blumhouse is is really unique in that it's um, it is, you know, uh, eight films all from underrepresented filmmakers. Um, four launch this year, and four will launch in twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but everyone uh, are underrepresented, and uh, 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 many are are women. And uh, the stories that we've told tend to be very culturally specific and relevant, and. Uh, and that's, that's been very enriching for all as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's amazing that you've built such a robust ecosystem for not only discovering new directorial talent, but also nourishing it and giving people like smaller projects and see how they do. And then, I mean, it sounds like Blumhouse has really blossomed into a real community. Is that accurate? Uh, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, it absolutely is a community. It was, it was there, you know, it was a big community when I joined there four years ago and we've only grown the, that community over the years. And yeah. I, you know, like I said, I was a lucky beneficiary of, I inherited some great people 
you know, that were already in the halls <laughs> that I got to say, hey, <laughs> hey, what are you doing in TV? We should be doing TV, you know? So yeah. we're developing television shows with, with lots of the big sort of heavy hitting filmmakers that were already kind of in the family, you know, in the, mm-hmm. in, in, in the Blumhouse Fieldhouse, um, so to speak. Um, so yes, that's uh, absolutely been been exciting. And like I said, I just got to sort of draft off some of those pre-existing relationships and then go off and, you know, make more and spread spread the gospel of Blumhouse Television. That's great. That's really great. Yeah, I visited the office really briefly for a Fast Company event and uh, Jason spoke at it. So did Ryan Turek. It was really, really cool. And just there, you could just feel the energy of the office. Oh, Everybody yeah. there just loves being there, wants to be there. I mean, it's it's very infectious. So that's really cool. Oh, that's great to hear. Yes, yes. So I know we're getting short on time, but uh, we have a lot of aspiring writers and directors listening. And so I'm curious, how do new writers and directors get on your radar? Yours meaning you as an individual, but also Blumhouse in general. Right. Um, Well, look, we, uh, listen, we all pretty aggressively hunt and gather material. Um, I think we, we as a company, I mean, it's across, across film and television, um, are scouring everywhere we can to look for great new voices and uh, and emerging emerging filmmakers, um, you know, through shorts and through festivals mm-hmm. and um, and now online festivals because <laughs> we're not going to festivals anymore. Right. Um, uh, and um, and uh, while we don't, you know, uh, uh, tend to, um, uh, you know, it's tricky with unsolicited submissions because I, you know, the, the, you get a lot of things to come over the transom. Yeah. But I will say that we uh, we are have found some interesting new voices just from our own, um, you know, our own exploration and hunting and gathering, um, and have given a number of people, you know, first opportunities to really, you know, uh, spread their wings and have the ability to go make you know, to go make their first film that we've done that quite a bit on Into the Dark and on um, and on Welcome to the Blumhouse, which has been very, very gratifying. I sometimes think, you know, as you know, filmmakers are thanking us. I'm like, no, no, I'm thanking you because it's gratifying <laughs> for, for you, but it's so gratifying for us to watch that. And yeah. I, in the case of some of these directors in, uh, in Welcome to the Blumhouse, just to see, you know, um, I think about someone like Zoo Cork who made our film called Nocturne, um, uh, uh, which launches on Tuesday, and um, her demand for detail is just extraordinary. And in some ways, you know, she's punching way above her weight in terms of, in a positive way. I'm saying because mm-hmm. not she she has not made that many films yet, and yet was so demanding. Her film it has to do with with um, young women who are studying at a conservatory for you know for high school musicians and because she herself came up as a classical music student, she was very exacting about the way the music was represented and those actors had to be playing legitimately because she would smell it and the audience Whoa. would smell it if it was wrong. Thorough. And, and she was thorough and exacting and it was so great. And you know, sometimes in our production, someone would say, well, you know, the director really wants this and I'm thinking, God damn it, good for her, man. Because we all know what you want in a filmmaker is strong point of view mm. and, stick to your, and stick to your guns and you know, when, when, when you're working with a writer or director, when they say to the executive, I don't know, how do you want it? It's like, it's not about how I want it. How do you want it? It's, yeah. I'm here to, you know, use a football analogy. We're the downfield blockers, right? Our job is to move the bad guys out of the way and you run the ball in. So, um, so that's really gratifying when you see, a, you know, a young 28-year-old filmmaker say, God damn it, it's got to be this way. 
It's like, okay, stand out of her way. Let her do it. <laughs> I feel like that's a huge piece of advice. That's great. Well, on that note, Jeremy, thank you so much. This was, this was really excellent. So thank you. And congratulations on all of the new stuff that's coming out of Blumhouse TV. It's, it's really, really an exciting time. Uh, Nick, a real pleasure. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Any parting wisdom for those aspiring horror filmmakers out there? Uh, well, hey, thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope I haven't bored you all. Uh, and I would say, you know what? Um, your point of view and your creativity, that's all yours. You, you own that. And no one is going to have those ideas that you have. And, and trust your instincts and, and trust your ability to tell a story your way. And don't, you know, as you're taking on board and you're watching other filmmakers work, that's great. Let it all be inspiration. But the number one thing you have going for you is your own talent and your own maybe weird cracked prism into the world. That's what's going to make you stand out. So, so, so dance to the beat of your own drummer. Don't try to be like somebody else. Be you. That's excellent. Great. Very wise words. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. A real pleasure. Hey guys, thank you as always for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with your friends and family on social media? Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at I'm Nick Taylor. That's I am Nick Taylor. And on Twitter at the same handle. Thanks again for listening to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. <laughs>